Hey, it's Bobby Bones. You know people choose Morton Buildings to build a variety of buildings for their property any time of year because they know they are getting enduring quality. Whether you need a garage, a farm, storage building, insulate a workshop, horse barn, a cabin, office, warehouse, or heck, anything in between, Morton can create a building for you that's attractive, easy to maintain, and dependable enough to stand the test of time. The quality of their materials, their craftsmen, and their industry-leading warranty will ensure your satisfaction for years to come. Morton Buildings has more than 110 years of experience, and as a 100% employee-owned company, Morton is committed to being the industry leader with focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. When you build with Morton Buildings, you build something that lasts. Visit mortonbuildings.com for more information. It's that easy. Visit mortonbuildings.com. Don't delay. Construction schedules are filling up fast, so now's the time to start planning your building project with Morton. Contact your local Morton office for more details. MortonBuildings.com. The Oracle Network. Look deeper. Carly Gouzet was a 16-year-old girl with a good family life and a loving boyfriend. After sneaking off to a party one night, she came home panicked and paranoid. Admitting to taking drugs, the family thought they knew why she had come home in the state. The next morning, though, Carly was nowhere to be found, and to this day, they wonder if there really was something to be paranoid about that night. Welcome to or welcome back to the Great Unsolved podcast. I'm your host, Alexis. If you want more than just our weekly episode, then go check out the Patreon link in the description below. Starting tomorrow, I will be posting monthly and maybe twice a month bonus episodes on Patreon, as well as new articles and exclusive articles on there, which I have already started posting supporting the show, and I would really appreciate that. All of our other social links are also in the description below, so let's just jump into the case of Carly Gouzet. This is a case much like that of Kristen Smart's, at least to me, because both of these women were not in their right mind when they went missing, so there's really no way it could have been a voluntary disappearance. However, this one has many more confusing pieces within it than Kristen's case. Adding to that is the fact that this only took place in 2018, so there is still a large possibility of finding out the truth and getting the justice that Carly deserves. As described by friends and family, Carly was described as happy and active, she was a very beautiful girl who was quite popular in her school. She got along with all types of people, and she adored her boyfriend, Donald. Her only downfall around this time was that she had been caught using marijuana. Due to that happening, she had been on suspension from school, and they made her go to counseling sessions. Personally, I don't count marijuana use as a huge downfall in people, but right now is not a time to get into my somewhat political views there. Anyways, her friends and family felt that she was really getting back to who she used to be. She was just happy and peaceful again. 
Getting into Carly's background, her parents divorced when she was very young. Carly seemed fairly unaffected by this. She still grew up with a happy life and loving parents, and it didn't seem like divorce was something that affected her. Being a child of divorced parents myself, I know that I was so much happier when my parents finally split up, because at some point you just want fighting to stop, and you know it's going to be better off if they're not together. So maybe Carly had some insight like that. For a long time, Carly had been living with her mother in California. Her father also lived in California as well, so she had the availability to be close to both of them, which often proves very well for children of divorce. However, one night her mother told Carly that she wanted to move to Nevada and she was going to do so. But since Carly was 16, both of the parents gave Carly the choice. She could either move to Nevada with her mother or she could stay with her father. Carly decided to stay with her father in California because she really only had two years left of school and she wanted to stay around her friends and graduate with all of them. On top of that, she already got along great with her father, stepmother, and two brothers that lived there. So there was no downfall to this plan. She was really sad to have to leave her mom because as her mom describes it, they were like best friends. But Carly and her mother really did have an unbreakable bond. They called and text each other every day. After Carly disappeared, a lot of reports came out from the days before her disappearance. A lot of her friends from school and elsewhere were saying that Carly was just acting very odd. She was almost just being extremely paranoid all the time. More specifically, they stated that Carly told them she thought someone was trying to stalk her on her phone and that someone had been following her using her phone. But we really don't know if this was actually the case. It is always a possibility as it is fairly easy to get into someone's phone, at least for hackers. But since Carly has never been found, we don't know if she was in fact being followed. On October 12th, 2018, there was a football game at her high school and she wanted to go. She asked her stepmom, can I go? My friends are going to be there. My boyfriend's going to be there. We really want to hang out. All that stuff. So Melissa, her stepmother, said, yeah, of course you can go. She asked if Carly would need a ride, and Carly said no, she already had a plan. So as Carly left, Melissa was just going to be home with the two boys that evening, and she had no inkling that it would not just be another Friday night. After this point, the story starts to get weird and kind of confusing already. So the one of the reasons Carly did not want to ride to the football game was because she wasn't actually going to a football game. She was going to a party with her boyfriend. There are a few different stories on this party, though. Melissa has always assumed that the party meant multiple people, like at least like seven plus. I don't know what we all consider to be a party, but that's what I would say. And Melissa just thought it was a party like that. Later in 2018, Donald, which was Carly's boyfriend, claimed that there was no party. 
Carly had come over to his house, they went to his friend's house, and the three of them smoked marijuana there. And then when they were on their way home is when Carly started to act odd. But to this day, we really can't tell who was right and who was wrong in this case because Donald has never publicly come out and said that there was no party. He posted it on Facebook, but that is about all. Around 8 p.m. that night, Melissa decided to call Carly and see if she needed a ride back home at any point that night. Carly, of course, told her that no, she wouldn't be needing that. Her boyfriend, Donald, would just bring her home later. So accepting that, Melissa just stated she would wait for Carly to get home. Donald reported later that right when Carly got off the phone, she got scared of the music at the party and even got scared of him when she had no reason to be scared of either thing. He states that she just began to panic and he had no idea what to do at this point. It is then believed that Carly left the party on her own and for some reason, Donald did not follow her. However, later in the investigation, when Donald said there was no party, he also claimed that something else happened. He said that him and Carly were walking back from his friend's house and that she had gotten off the phone and she became very scared of him and just started to freak out. She said, leave me alone, don't follow me, and she ran off. He didn't want to go after her because he stated he didn't want to scare her. It was dark and she seemed scared and she also wished to be alone, so he just respected her wishes. This is about the time when Carly called Melissa back. This was an hour or less after Melissa had called Carly asking if she needed a ride. So in her panic, she was just yelling through the phone, saying, never mind, hurry up, I changed my mind, come get me, I'm booking it down Dixon Lane, hurry, 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 I'm scared. So Melissa immediately sprung up and she's like, what are you scared of? You want me to come get you? I'll be on my way. And all that. She could clearly sense Carly's panic through the phone and she had no idea what was going on. She could only assume the worst at that point and ran out of the house into her car and began driving to Dixon Lane where Carly said she was. When Melissa got there, she really, she couldn't find Carly at first. She began looking around and trying to find Carly, but she was not where she said she was. And this really reminded me of the William Hurley case. I put it in my last book and I did a post about it on the blog. So if you're interested in that case, please look up the William Hurley case because this part bears a lot of similarities to that case. When Melissa did see a light coming towards her car, it just looked like a phone flashlight. So she was happy when she saw Carly appear behind the phone flashlight. Carly had been running towards her car and just jumped in immediately. She was still very panicked. The first thing Melissa noted when Carly got into the car was how pale Carly was and how big her pupils were. It was very unlike her for either of those things. And she was still in complete panic mode. She became extremely scared of the car and she didn't want to be in it. She kept stating that the car would kill her. 
Before arriving back home where Carly's father and her two brothers waited for Carly and Melissa, she admitted to smoking marijuana that night. And from the start, though, Melissa didn't believe that marijuana was the cause for Carly's panic. As I said in the beginning, Carly had tried marijuana before, and she knew how she reacted to it. It was not this panic-paranoid state at all. It was quite the opposite when Carly smoked. So, could she be on a stronger drug? Could the marijuana she smoked have been laced? That is a strong possibility. It came out later that shortly before her disappearance, Carly had asked her biological mother about a specific psychedelic drug. It is unknown what the exact drug was, but they did have a conversation about it. This could point to her trying one of those psychedelic drugs and badly reacting to it, but she didn't want to confess that. However, I find it kind of hard to believe that with how truthful she was being, she would not tell Melissa that. Because after all, she seemed to be scared for her life. So at that point, I would offer up any information that could help someone take care of me. The entire car ride and when they got home, Melissa was trying to talk Carly down. She was trying to comfort her, say, you know, everything's gonna be okay. It's just a weird side effect you're getting right now. Everything's gonna be fine in the morning, just relax. But it really didn't help at all. Her father stated that Carly was kind of just standing in the corner of the living room for a while. And she would go from extreme panic and paranoia and being scared of Melissa and her father and everyone, and then flip to just saying how much she loved them and how much she cared for them and how much she liked being around them. So she was obviously having major mood swings at this point. Everyone who was with Carly that night, being the parents and maybe her brothers saw some of it, describe her as just having an awful night. Like that night when you can't fall asleep, that night when your brain's going too fast, and that's what she was having. Apparently though, at some point, Carly calmed down enough to want to paint nails, paint in general, and read the Bible a lot. And this entire time, she was mortally terrified of Melissa leaving her alone. She just wanted Melissa by her at all times, and if she left, she would become so much more paranoid. My stepdaughter Carly's been missing for over four months now. Law enforcement are treating Carly's disappearance as a runaway case. It's really hard for me to believe that because she would have contacted us. The night Carly went missing, she lied and said that she was going to a football game, but she had never really gone. I received a phone call from Carly. She called me scared, paranoid. She wanted me to come pick her up. When she got into the car, she looked like she had seen a ghost. Her face was pale, her eyes were dilated. I only know that she smoked marijuana because she admitted that to me. She wanted to go to bed and she asked me to stay with her. I was texting Carly's friend asking, what did you guys smoke? Because she's acting very strange. And the friend said, we, that we've smoked before. Melissa had no idea what to do and neither did anyone else. So Melissa decided she was going to record a video on her phone and put it in her pocket so that it would at least catch the audio without Carly noticing. And Melissa thought the next day 
maybe they could show her this audio and it could be a lesson. This is why we don't do drugs. This is what you were like on drugs. So refrain from doing it next time. I really wish I could play this audio for you guys and I really wish I could even hear it, but it is unavailable to the public. However, many news sites, Dr. Phil and others in the investigation have been able to listen to it. This audio is basically Carly talking about how she is scared and she doesn't know exactly why she is. Melissa has also stated that at one point, Carly asked and she said, if something were to happen to me, would you call 911? Melissa replies, of course they would. However, Lindsay, who is Carly's biological mother, had very different things to say about this recording. She stated that her daughter was simply begging Melissa to call 911, and Melissa was refusing. And at one point, Melissa did say she would call 911, and then just didn't. So Lindsay here is putting a lot of blame on Melissa and Carly's father, stating that if they would have called 911, maybe something never would have happened to Carly. Fox News was another outlet that was able to listen to the recording, and they heard something totally different. They heard Carly say that she did not want to go to sleep in case she got killed. They stated that Carly asked Melissa to call 911 if she needed it. And then randomly, Carly would apologize and say, I love you. And what I got from this report was that Carly seems as if she knew something was going to happen to her. And she was trying to cover her safety, her remorse, and her love for Melissa all in one kind of cohesive statement. The Las Vegas Journal heard something even more frightening, though. They heard Melissa tell Carly that she needed to get some sleep, to which Carly said, No, I don't want to go to sleep. You're going to kill me. And Melissa said, Why would I kill you? That's preposterous. Carly would then begin to apologize and say that she had all this demonic stuff in her head, which for me immediately linked back to her wanting to read the Bible a lot that night. Was she on some sort of drug that was causing her hallucinations? Did she think that she was some kind of demonic thing or there was some type of demonic thing within her? Also, Melissa had tried to feed Carly a salad that night and Carly refused, saying it was the devil's lettuce. So, did Carly believe she needed to cleanse herself or that she was the devil or something along those lines? It seems like a large cohesive hallucination to me. They seemed really confused, concerned about her health. You can hear her asking, are you going to call 911? I heard her call out for mom. I am just really scared. I did ask Zach and Melissa why they did not call 911, and her response was she was just smoking pot, Lindsay. Sadly, that night never turned around for Carly. She was still in a state of fear and paranoia long into the night. It will later be reported that throughout that time, she had been writing on a piece of paper for a collective few hours, but that is unreleased to the public on what was on that paper. It is even unclear if the police handling the investigation have that paper now, but most signs point to no. 
Eventually, after a lot of reassurances, Melissa was able to convince Carly to go to bed. The only condition was that Melissa had to sleep in Carly's room with her, and with how scared she was, that seemed reasonable enough. Melissa had no problem with it. However, there is another series of events that Melissa first reported to the police when they got onto the scene the day Carly went missing. She told police that she had not spent the night in Carly's room. She had slept in her own room. However, around 5.30, 5.45 a.m., she went to check on all three children, and Carly had been sleeping in her bed at the time. Since the more recent report is of Melissa sleeping in Carly's room, that is the one I am going to go with. Sleeping next to Carly, Melissa seemed to sleep well, but she woke up for a brief amount of time around 5.45 a.m., and she saw Carly laying next to her with huge eyes still very wide awake. Next time she woke up, it was 7.15 or 7.30 a.m., and Carly was no longer next to her. When Carly was not directly next to Melissa, this really didn't concern Melissa at first. She thought Carly had just gotten up, she'd gotten hungry, or something else. So Melissa got up and began to look around for Carly. She noted that the door to the bedroom they were in was still cracked the same amount it had been all night. After she searched the house and found Carly nowhere, she noticed that the front door was open a little bit. And at first, she thought Carly just went on a walk it is no big deal. But soon her husband woke up and they both noticed that Carly had left her phone on the kitchen counter. However, Carly's boyfriend would later state her phone was on the nightstand in the bedroom. But I am unsure why this piece is so important in the case. Anyways, after finding her phone there, the parents set out in separate cars to try and look around the neighborhood. But, sadly, they were unable to find any trace of Carly. So at 9.35 a.m., her father made that hard call to her biological mother. He told her that Carly was gone, and Lindsay later reported that the word gone just seemed odd in that conversation. She said, quote, gone to me is a huge red flag and it has never sat easily with me, end quote. Instead of just saying she was simply missing or we can't find Carly, gone just seems very finite in resemblance to those. After getting off of this phone call, he places a call to the sheriff's office right away. Police come out quickly and start to get a description of Carly. She was 16 years old, about 5 foot 7 inches tall, weighing approximately 110 pounds, with brown hair, blue eyes, wearing gray sweatpants or skinny jeans, with a t-shirt and Vans shoes. People of the community would find a huge problem with this description. 
because they were wondering how Melissa knew what Carly was wearing if she was not awake when Carly left. Melissa stated that most often Carly wore skinny jeans, vans, and a t-shirt, and that is why she said that. And it is thought that sweatpants came into play after Melissa heard the witness reports. The witness reports kind of said the girl was wearing gray sweatpants, so Melissa let that in there. But in Melissa's defense, she said there's no way we can tell what clothes are missing from her closet because she just has far too many. In Melissa's defense, though, my family would never be able to tell police what I was wearing last because they just don't pay attention to detail like that. They could tell my hair, well, I changed my hair color a lot too, so they might not know that. My boyfriend would at least know my hair color and eye color because we live together, but I doubt that anyone would know my exact height or weight or what I was wearing, so God help me if I go missing. Thankfully though, it was fairly easy for police to find a few witnesses right off the bat. These are said to be really credible witnesses. Two of them even knew Carly, so they knew what she looked like and were probably much more valuable in identifying her than someone who was just given a description. So just down the road from the family home, a man was waking up in his hot tub with his coffee. For some reason, that's what he did. Anyways, he saw someone who matched Carly's description. He stated she was just standing on the sidewalk holding a piece of paper and she would check the piece of paper and then she would look up at the sky and look around like she was searching for something. This was in between 6.30 and 6.45 a.m. He simply remembered it because there's not a lot of kids around the area and the way she was acting just seemed a little odd. The second witness stated that they saw her walking around the neighborhood about the same time as the first witness, and she was still carrying that piece of paper. The last witness was driving on Highway 6 in between 7 and 7.30 a.m. They said that a girl that matched Carly's description was standing inside of a barbed wire fence a little bit east of Highway 6 and a little bit south of Sierra View Road. Police stated that they had also found one of Carly's footsteps on the home driveway, and then they thought they found a few of her footsteps on the highway, but they just vanished at some point. The most recent update in the Carly Gouzet case was from October of 2019, which was almost exactly a year after Carly went missing. The police stated that they were really not any closer to finding Carly or what happened to her, but there is still hope out there. Because of this, I think we should jump into the theories to see if anyone knows anything about these theories. There are quite a few theories in this case. The first one, and the one that Lindsay, Carly's biological mother, believes, is that Melissa, the stepmother, inadvertently caused Carly's death. So when Carly came home, she was asking to call 911, or she was asking if Melissa would call 911, things along that area. So Lindsay believes that Carly could have reacted very badly to drugs at the party 
and felt she was having a reaction. She could have felt something was very wrong. I remember one time I accidentally took like five or six Benadryl and it was just because I took two and then I forgot and then I took another two and I came out of it just fine, but I woke up a lot in my sleepy haze that night and it wasn't like I was nauseous, but there was, you, I could feel something wrong in my stomach. It wasn't how your body's supposed to feel. So maybe Carly felt something along those lines. She felt that just something wasn't right. She knew something was wrong inside of her and she was just begging for 911 to be called because she didn't know how to fix it or relay what was happening to her. And Lindsay believes that this wasn't directly Melissa's fault. Maybe Melissa didn't think it was as serious as it was. She just thought Carly, in her paranoid state, was overreacting to something. But when they all woke up and found out that Carly had died of an overdose or just died in general that night, Melissa felt she needed to cover up. On the Dr. Phil show, Lindsay can be heard saying that at one point, Melissa had a map on the wall of where police were searching. She would cross off like where police had searched that day so she could keep track of where they were looking. And Lindsay states that Melissa once said they're going the wrong way. And Lindsay doesn't understand how Melissa could know they were going the wrong way if she didn't take Carly the other way or something along those lines. This could attribute to Melissa's changing stories and could be contributed with claims that Melissa had gotten her car detailed right after Carly's disappearance. If someone were to bring the body in their car, they would most likely want it very detailed and cleaned after the fact so that no DNA evidence was left behind. Another theory that came from a video on YouTube, which I will link below, was that when both parents were out looking for Carly the morning she disappeared, Melissa had been frantically looking and didn't notice Carly had actually walked out in front of her car, which could have caused her to hit Carly and fatally injure her. This was the only video I've ever seen this theory mentioned in, but it would make sense. If she had been fatally injured, this would be another reason to get the entire car detailed, and it could be a reason for changing stories, because overall, the story of her missing would be a lie in this case. Also in the Dr. Phil episode on this case, Lindsay asked Melissa about, like, or she said she once asked Melissa about the shuffle or the scuffle at the end of the recording taken the night before Carly disappeared. But instead of Melissa responding, she just walked away. Could that scuffle in the recording have been something important? Could Carly have gotten hurt or killed during that? It is a possibility, as Melissa has never answered that, but it could have also just been the phone moving and some type of rustling as she took out the phone to close the recording. 
Many people have also been really harsh on Melissa for starting doing Facebook Lives right after Carly went missing. The day Carly went missing, Melissa was on Facebook Live saying, you know, my stepdaughter has been missing for this many hours. This is what she looks like. This is what could have happened. This is where she went missing from. But a lot of people criticize that because they're like, why are you on social media after your daughter goes missing? But all of us in the true crime community know that is the number one way to get the information out there. If anyone in my family were to go missing, I would be on all my social media at once telling everyone what happened so that hopefully someone who saw something could contact me about that. There are a few other theories here that do not go along with Melissa being accused of anything. Suicide is one of the theories. It is known that Carly called the suicide hotline just days before her disappearance. You know how back when I was talking about the recordings being heard in different ways and I stated it seemed like Carly knew something was going to happen and she was covering her remorse because she was apologizing to the parents a lot. She was covering her compassion for them, stating I love you and all that. And she was just trying to get all the time around them as she could. To me, that could say suicide because many people tell their loved ones their last thoughts before they commit suicide. And maybe she was kind of scared about it and she thought there was a possibility of failing and she hoped in that case, Melissa would call 911. I could just be connecting random pieces here. That's just what it kind of sounded like to me. But overall, I do not buy the suicide angle. It seems something more sinister happened to Carly. And it is kind of stated that her relationship with her boyfriend wasn't as perfect as it seemed to many on the outside. Even supporting this, the last text sent to him claimed that the drugs at the party were laced. Whether this was Carly writing the text or not, we don't know, but someone was accusing the boyfriend of lacing the drugs. Due to the boyfriend's changing stories, he also seems to look kind of suspicious according to a lot of people in this case. Right after Carly disappeared, he stated that they were walking like, to his house and that's when Carly got so scared, etc. But then 10 days after she vanished, he claimed that there was no party on the 12th. So it kind of seemed like, just like Melissa, his stories were shifting a little. That is why many people believe he either had something to do with her death or has some knowledge of what happened to her. The last theory that arises that is not kidnapping or murder by someone unknown to us is that Carly went out into the desert and succumbed to the elements. Because Carly was seen close to the highway, it is thought that she could have walked out into the wilderness and she could have been still feeling the effects from those drugs and not have been able to get back. Of course, the other theories deal with Carly being kidnapped on that highway and being put into sex trafficking or being kidnapped and being killed right away or something along those lines. 
Even though this is a shorter case, it is still one that deserves a lot of attention because it is newer in terms of a lot of the cases I cover, it still has a high probability of being solved. Once again, let me find my note of what Carly was like when she disappeared. So Carly went missing on October 13th of 2018. At 16 years old, she was five foot seven, 110 pounds with dark blonde hair and blue eyes. She was most likely wearing gray sweatpants or jeans with a white t-shirt and Vans shoes. Her last confirmed sighting was around 5.30 a.m. at her home and she was asleep. The last witness sighting was 30 yards east of Highway 6 and 100 yards south of Sierra View Road. This was a very credible sighting and they had known Carly while she was in the area. That is all for this week's episode. Once again, if you want more episodes, please visit the Patreon link in the description below and visit our Twitter at GreatUnsolved, our Instagram at GreatUnsolvedPodcast, and our website at GreatUnsolvedPod.com. I post a lot on all three of those sites, but of course, Patreon has exclusive content. Plus, you can gain weeks early access and no ad podcasts with only the $2 subscription. So go check that out and I will see you next week. Stay safe and have a great day. The Great Unsolved is a production of the Oracle Network. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.